fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino. John Copenhaver and Al Warren. 102.3 FM Los Angeles. 105.0 AM Palm Springs. And 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren. It's Tuesday. It's Michael Hawley Day. That is correct. Mr. Jack the Ripper himself, ripping the Jack out of Ripper. I don't know what you're doing, but your new <laughs> book good. is Silently But Deadly came out. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Making waves, which is important. So lots of discoveries. It'll be interesting to find out. So you'll be promoting that pretty soon. You'll be out showing your wares. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Now, today, uh, speaking of uh, terror and horror, we've got a writer, but this time her latest book is called The Science of Agatha Christie. We've got Meg Hapdell. Thank you for being here, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Meg. Hi. So, so what's going on here? What are you, what are you doing over there? You've, you've got this book, The Science of Agatha Christie. What's the premise behind this book? Well, um, for people who have read our previous, we call it Science of Horror series, what we like to do is sort of delve into the things that we love. And that we've written um, The Science of Stephen King. So it's very similar to that book where there is part biography, but then we're chapter by chapter going by her books and sort of reading them with a scientific lens, I like to say, um, a sort of magnifying glass on certain things that, you know, we're not quite interested maybe in how the films are adapted or things like that. We're more interested in, like, the poisons and um, the personality sort of traits and psychology behind, you know, her characters. So um, I think people are really going to enjoy this one. And I'd like to, you know, point out that people who maybe have been scared of our books before, I feel like we're kind of branching out into mystery rather than horror. So we're hoping that um, this will appeal to Agatha Christie lovers who maybe aren't necessarily horror movie watchers. Yeah. So the people that are uh, more into, I guess, um, mystery fiction, crime, that sort of thing. Yeah. Why, why Agatha Christie? I mean, there's a lot of great writers out there. And so let's start with yeah. why did you pick her? Both of us grew up reading her and, and watching films based on her books as well. And I know for me, Agatha Christie was kind of, you know, <laughs> maybe this isn't the best term, but she was kind of a gateway drug <laughs> into, um, you know, mystery and horror for me. Um, and, being that we really like to highlight uh, women, especially in the horror and mystery genres, um, there was that. There's so much. She was such a prolific writer, so there's so much to go through and learn about. Um, and I mean, it says right on the cover, she's the queen of crime. So why wouldn't we tackle uh, Miss Christie? And it was so much fun. So now, did you start with going back to the time she was alive and, and writing and kind of going through 
what she was about, kind of how she lived and and what was going on in her life when she was writing these stories? Yeah, that's actually my favorite part. Um, when we were doing the Stephen King um, book, I really enjoyed sort of seeing where he was in his life and then what book he was writing. Um, like when he was in sort of his most, um, um, his state where he was addicted to drugs and, and alcohol the most and sort of seeing what novels came out of that and when he was going through his recovery from that um, and when he had kids and when he didn't, well, I, actually, I shouldn't say when he didn't have kids, he's, he's had kids this whole time that he's uh, been a, a prolific author. But um, with Agatha Christie, I really wanted to do the same thing, which is um, sort of find that biography and then see where it sort of reflected in what she was writing. And, you know, Agatha Christie had a very privileged background um, and that comes into play. Um, she had a sort of very unsuccessful first marriage that she uh, ended up um, sort of getting cheated on and, and it being sort of a it kind of exploded in her face. And that's actually what led to her disappearing, which is one of my favorite uh, things that I got to research was that she disappeared for 11 days. And there's been a lot of speculation about where she went and what she did. People have written books about um, you know, speculating in a fictional sense of that she was out solving crimes and things like that. I mean, I think she was just fed up with um, life at that moment and she needed to be by herself. But that was a really uh, kind of fun avenue to go down. So it was really fun to just bring these things out of her biography, like even getting older and how her characters, you know, got more wise and older and things like that. And, and that connection is really cool for me. So question on that, when you go through that and you see some things, do you ever research any other sources just to kind of like maybe verify what you're you're thinking about? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've certainly learned as a nonfiction writer, you know, um, over the years of uh, sort of how I research and how, you know, the, the sources I want to look through. And my co-author, Kelly, is a professor, so she takes, you know, the, that kind of thing very seriously. So, yeah, we definitely like to, you know, have good sources find out, you know, um, that we're, we're using something that, you know, has been verified more than once. Um, sometimes there's some really good gossipy things that we like to include that maybe we can't find another um, source for. <laughs> but we try to be pretty clear about that. Sometimes things are just too good. And, uh, and so we, you know, try to be clear that this is hearsay or whatever. But um, yeah, we, we, we try to take it as seriously as we can. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, when she was gone the 11 days, she was probably at a bar drinking or an ice cream shop or something <laughs> like that, you know. Definitely. Eating, eating ice cream, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And she's so dramatic because when she when she went, um, when she disappeared, she, her car was sort of left in like a, a, it was parked, not even parked, it had kind of crashed and she had left the door open and it was very dramatic. So, I, I sort of respect her game because I think she was she was maybe seeking a little attention from her husband. And um, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say anybody should do this. But uh, as the queen of crime, I, I respect her game. <laughs> it also because it's such a different time when she was writing. And now, uh, you know, the publishers are, are kind of re-editing her books yeah. and changing some of the, the, the terms she used or some of the a language she used in there because I guess they consider it could be racist or mm -hmm. would be 
read that way and stuff like that. I'm not sure I'm really fussy on that. I don't know if I really like the the editing of stuff, even if it was done and it comes out racist. Because myself, even myself, I know that um, when I see old movies on Turner Classics and I'm and I'm doing old things, I understand the the uh, the world then. Not to mention yeah. I'm old. Yeah. But, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I mean, because I grew up in the time where this was, that was the way it was. And, you know, gays were illegal. I mean, you go to jail. There was a lot of things I grew up with. And and so I see it. I just don't know that I would want to change the work itself. Yeah, I I really tend to agree with you about changing the work. Um, I'm actually going to read you something really quick. This is um, what we put. We put a note in the front of the book. And we said, Agatha Christie was a woman of her time. There's an unfairness in judging her by the societal standards of today. However, it is important for readers to be aware that there is racist, xenophobic, and other problematic language in her works of fiction and nonfiction. We do not condone this language and believe that if Agatha Christie were a woman of the 21st century, she wouldn't either. And I think what we're trying to say is that, yes, um, she does use racist language. And, and there's, there is no excuse for that. Um, even that she was a woman of her time. But I think that as, you know, educated readers, we can understand, or, or people who watch film, um, we can understand the world that they were living in at the time. And, you know, Agatha Christie, I think if you read this book or any biography, or she wrote an autobiography, you'll see um, how devoted she was to going to Egypt, to going to the Middle East, she is a more complicated person than perhaps, you know, taking um, something, one thing out of her book and saying that's who she was. You know, we're right. We're working on our next book, which is about Alfred Hitchcock. And he was also an extremely problematic person. But that doesn't mean that his art isn't something that we should continue to, um, you know, promote and um, appreciate. So I think it's one of those things that's going to be a conversation for many years to come. And I will certainly say as a white person, I probably don't have as much say about it and I shouldn't. Um, but what I can say is that I think changing art is dangerous. And um, I, I think it's a slippery slope that could very much go the wrong way eventually. It, it, it's, it's a complicated subject, but that, that's my two cents. It's interesting that you say that because uh, writing the books on, like, Jack to Ripper research, the, back then the term was either, you know, they would use prostitutes. Yeah. But now, but today, so I had to mix in the word sex work yep. mm-hmm. you know, to kind of mix that in. But uh, certain times I had to leave it in. But, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, and that's the thing. And things are always changing. We're always, you know, knowing better. And we're always, like, isn't it great that, as, you know, society keeps going on, we're getting more and more empathetic for uh, other people and we're learning these things. But we have to, like I said, it, it's it's hard when we're taking art from 50, 100 years ago and taking the standards of today and putting it on that art. That's That, get, that gets to be a, a slippery thing. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge these things. And, and like I said, with the we're, we're working on Alfred Hitchcock next. And, you know, he was known to be very sexist and, um, you know, uh, just, you know, a problematic person. And that's something we're definitely going to be talking about in the book. Um, so I think as long as you can acknowledge these things, that it's it's okay to still watch Psycho, I personally believe. And, and separating the art from the artist, I think it's going to be <laughs> something that's going to be talked about for centuries after we're gone. 
Yeah, because what he did to Kathy Hedron, wasn't that her name? Yeah. That uh, in in the birds and and how he was uh, that was awful in us when you look back at it and stuff. But it's still a great movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's still there's nothing wrong yeah. with his what he put together. It was just right. like his behavior that was He's awful. He's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, and that particular one was based on a true story about uh, out west. Uh, West Coast when that happened, too. Yes, we actually wrote about that in Science of Monsters, uh, about um, kind of what happens to these what happened to these birds and how how it inspired um, it inspired Daphne du Maurier to write a a short story and it also inspired um, the birds film, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how some of these things happen. So with with Agatha here, um, yes, and in the big picture, like so, you've been through it, and you've been through all the movies, and you've written the book now, mm-hmm. and you look back. Um, do you have a different opinion now, or do you feel differently about Agatha Christie as compared to before you started the project? Oh, good question. Well, sort of like. With Stephen King, um, when I was in college, I, I studied literature. There were a lot of snobs, and they were like, "Oh, he doesn't know how to write." You know, he he's not he's not literature. And um, same with Agatha Christie. I think she gets kind of put into this category of like, "Well, she uses all these mystery tropes. She doesn't know how." You know, that's not literature. You know, that's for old grannies to read and whatever. And and I think my appreciation has just grown from you know, immersing myself in, in her words and reading novel after novel. Um, I definitely was in Agatha Christie world for, for like a, you know, full six months. And I really appreciate the nuance of her writing and she's actually quite witty and she has this ability to sort of point out the absurdity of characters, which I love. Um, and I think that over time, I hope that she continues to get more sort of credit for, you know, we, without Agatha Christie, we wouldn't really have a lot of the modern day tropes. And, and, you know, I don't say tropes as, as a bad thing. I mean, all the things in history that we love. Um, And yeah, I think, I think my appreciation just grew for her as not only that, but a a working woman, Um, you know, she, like I said, lived privileged she she could have done nothing i mean she was one of those women who certainly didn't need to um work for a living but she had this inside of her to be a writer and she's one of the most prolific writers that you know we know of and i just think it's really cool that she chose that and not only that but she was off helping her second husband on egyptian archaeology sites and she she learned how to be an archaeologist, um, basically from you know not from school but from being there on the sites. And you know she she put herself into sort of very dangerous situations um, in order to sort of go around the world and and see things. So I don't know. I'm I'm just really in awe of her ability to be brave and um, do what a lot of women didn't do at that time. You know. Um... When, when someone picks up this book and reads it at, at the end of it, I, I typically ask, what is it that you hope people take away from the book? But also I want to add to that, that not only what they take away from the book, what did you expect them to take away? Like, did you have a, a like, whenever you're doing someone else, like kind of a biography mm-hmm. and then writing their, their story and then about what art, art they did, do you think your expectation at the beginning is the same as what it was at the end? If you know what I'm saying, like when you're when yeah. you're putting it together, you know, and you're thinking about the reader and what they'll take away from the book and what you want them to know, 
And then at the end of the book, was it the same sort of thing or did it change? That's another great question. You know, what comes to mind is when, when, I'm, put, when I'm at the beginning or I'm putting the book together, I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited for people to be in this Agatha Christie world. I want them to, you know, I want them to use this as a guide to pick out which books they want to read if they haven't read them yet or reread them. Um, and, with, you know, with a different sort of lens now, knowing her biography at this point, I'm so excited for them to, you know, especially we have a lot of young readers. You know, I really want them to pick this up and learn about somebody that maybe they don't know anything about. And you know, read one of her books. And so that's probably where I am at the beginning. But I think at the end, I'm probably like, so inspired by her that I'm like, I hope they come out of reading this book, like wanting to create their own art, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and a lot of our readers are, you know, writers and people who want to be in sort of a mystery slash horror business, however that looks. And yeah, I hope they're I hope they're inspired by her, like, need to express herself and her sort of bravery to um, talk about topics that weren't necessarily always talked about at the time. And um, yeah, I hope they, they, I hope they want to be their own little version of Agatha Christie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that would be Mike. He dresses up yeah. like her. And all that. <laughs> you know, I, I skirt the issue yeah. a lot. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so now which, which story, um, Okay, so we you did quite a few of them. Obviously, you did what they yeah t- tons of them. But were there any that sort of after you went through the the research and for the book, like you know Miss Marple or something that you kind of had a feeling about you had read before, and then all of a sudden now that you're doing this part of this kind of a study on it, did you did you see things you never saw before that you kind of go wow that was it's eye opening was there something one or a couple of cases really stuck out yeah i mean i think that when i was maybe about i want to say like 19 or 20 i read um the murder of roger Ackroyd, and that became my favorite agatha christie novel because it has the best ending oh my gosh it has a great twist ending in it and so for a, a long time, if anybody you know asked, that was that was my favorite Agatha Christie book. But it couldn't have been that long. You're only yeah. nineteen <laughs> a couple of years ago. Just <laughs> two years, right? Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah. So uh, and so anyway, I reread it for this book, and again, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. But then I um, I read, and then there were none, and and then there were none is the first Agatha Christie book I ever read, um, and I think a lot of people are familiar with that book. Um, and that's a lot of times the one that they've read. It's the sixth um, highest selling book of all time. Rereading it, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why this is like her sort of masterpiece. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's my favorite one, which annoys me because it's like everyone's favorite one. But I was like, okay, yeah, I just can't argue with the mastery of that novel. But yeah, I mean, things like that would come up that she has a character Nick, whose nickname is Bundle. And uh, Bundle is certainly not as famous as Poirot or Miss Marple, but she's in several books. And she is just such a spirited, I, I, I think she's very much like, you know, I think like a lot of authors, there are, our, our characters are sort of one aspect of ourselves. And I think Bundle is sort of that very spirited um uh, adventurous part of Agatha Christie and I just love her and she's really ahead of her time she's 
um, sort of solving crimes. You know, she's very young and she's solving crimes and getting into these situations, again, these very dangerous situations to solve crimes and um, not letting men tell her what to do and everything and in a time where that wasn't necessarily uh, common. So uh, looking back on that, you know, and seeing and knowing the world she lived in, I think had an even more powerful effect on me now. Is there, is there any of the stories that uh, it changed your mind on that you maybe don't feel so good about now or you kind of like were shocked to learn the truth or was there anything like that? No, I mean, well, something that came up that I thought was very interesting um, is there was actually a study done and, and we discussed it in length in the book. Um, I'll just kind of give the, the shortened version, but there was a study done on her later novels because she wrote up until her death, basically, and, and she died, you know, an old, an old woman. A study that um, went to prove, and, and they, I, well, maybe I shouldn't say they went to prove, but they, they feel that they proved that they uh, showed that she had dementia by taking her books, her, her last few books, and comparing them to her earlier books. Um, they showed that her vocabulary was down a certain percentage, that, um, you know, all these kinds of things. And it kind of upset me in a way. Um, I felt a little protective <laughs> because I came to this, I was sort of writing the book in order for biography's sake. And, um, um, you know, I was reading the novels sort of in order. And at that point, you know, I'd been in Agatha World so long and I was like, gosh, like, this is kind of awful. Um and it's not that they didn't prove something that, you know, she did indeed um, sort of have a less of a vocabulary um, at that point. And um, perhaps her books weren't quite as tight and masterful at that point. But I also was like, wow, she was like 80 and she was still writing novels. Like, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, it's like, wow, that that just seems like really intensely unfair. Um and so, I don't know, if, if there was something about, obviously, with science, you know, there's something sometimes, like, lacking emotion in that. And, and I kind of felt like, okay, yeah, this, this, I guess, proves something. But I found that kind of shocking that we were sort of, I don't want to say attacking her, but I, maybe they were trying to use it as a reason why she, uh, her later books weren't as revered as, as some of her earlier books. But if any one of us can write a novel up into our 80s, like, uh, even if it's not that great, I think it should be celebrated. <laughs> yeah, remember that, Michael. <laughs> That's right. I, I, do, I, do, I do have a question since it's you and Kelly working yeah. on it. What, what happens when you kind of don't see eye to eye on something or you pick up something different? And uh, did you guys have to work through those yeah. times? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully, we've been doing this, you know, we've been best friends for over 20 years. We um, we have been doing, working together, and our communication, I think, is, is really good. Um, that being said, of course, there are things that come up, um, and I think we know now to sort of how to, <laughs> how to approach those things. Um, and, yeah, it tends to, I mean... I'm trying to think of like an example. I feel like with this book, we were doing an interview recently and we were like, you know, I don't think anything like that came up with this book. Cause I think at this point things feel a little bit like a, a well-oiled machine as far as like, we know what our strengths are. We know what our weaknesses are. Um, we'll even like talk, putting the note in the front, 
um, about Agatha, you know, and the fact that, you know, she has some problematic language in her books. Um, and, and even deciding whether or not when we were writing the books, if we were going to actually write the word, you know, some of the words that she wrote, um, if we were going to just reference it or if we're going to use the word. So there are things like that where you kind of go back and forth and you brainstorm and, and, um, sometimes you have different ideas and, and thankfully we have a a lovely editor who can help us if if we need a tiebreaker. But, um, normally, yeah, we, we so you don't, so you don't arm wrestle to see who wins the, (laughs) no, no, but we'll sell tickets if we decide to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and even, you know, when, uh, Agatha Christie's 80 in writing, even with dementia, she's still a better writer than most people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You could look at it that way, right? You could go, well, it's still like, you know, something people would like to achieve is what she did. So I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't worry about it that way. I mean, uh, geez, I've been writing with dementia for about 10 years and (laughs) and it's just fine. In and fact, I forget book? what I wrote. Yeah, I just keep, that, sometimes I write the same the book twice, which is wonderful. Kind of, yeah, well, you know, publishers aren't in love with that, but um, <laughs> that's why he has that's why he has co-hosts. We try to keep him on, <laughs> yeah, keep him on the ball. <laughs> yeah, where am I? What? <laughs> What's going on? You know. Um, so, what do you think it is about Agatha Christie that's? Uh, captivated and keeps people so fascinated or interested in her writing all these years later is there something about the way she writes how the words she uses or is stories do you, do you have an opinion on why people are still into her so much you know i mean it's certainly just my opinion but i think that she's very honest in her writing um you know again she's she points out the absurdity of people and sort of like um, you know, how we get jealous over sort of silly things or, um, you know, we can be so sort of concerned about our looks that we aren't paying attention over here. And so she she has characters that I think everyone, you know, can sort of find in their families and their friends. And I think that, you know, she had a, a formula, so to speak, um, but she was willing to deconstruct it and, and sort of break it open many times. Um to, to uh, sort of bring surprise and she wasn't worried about people, you know, being like, Hey, that's not how it was supposed to end. There are many times um, where uh, the, the bad guy maybe got away. And um, there were times where she sort of twisted on us on who we thought it was going to be. And it was somebody who was, you know, it's not okay that it was that person and things like that. So she sort of took the formula and messed with it, which I think actually made her very successful. And of course her characters, uh, her well-known, you know, Poirot and and Miss Marple. um, If you think about it, there are not a lot of really famous characters that are in so many books that are above the age of, you know, 50. And, um, I think that that appealed to many readers. Um, you know, she started writing those characters when she was young and then she sort of aged up into their age and, and had even more sort of honest appraisal of what that would be like. So I think that, you know, she, she speaks to so many different types of people. And again, like I said, she had a privileged background, but, and a lot of her characters do too, but a lot of them don't. And, um, I, I think that she just had a way a sort of presenting these sort of spooky, awful things like murder, 
um, I hate to say politely, but um, I think that, you know, people who are kind of scared of Stephen King or scared of, um, you know, a horror movie, um, that doesn't mean they don't like sort of crime and mystery. And uh, she she got them into it. She was like, hey, and, you know, Kelly and I found, you know, there were there were descriptions in her books that I would definitely say were horror. Um, so she's kind of horror light. And I think that that appeals to so many people. Um, and, and what's more interesting than murder? Right. And she must have just the way of, of luring people into following her story into these bad places. Because, you know, I, I, I'd be scared of going in a Taco Bell bathroom after Taco <laughs> Tuesday. And, yet, you know, if she wrote about it, you might convince me to go in. It's like, so there's a way of, of making people... You know, get into a bad situation, follow you down the bad, bad road. And, and that brings up the science you say of poisons and stuff and to commit yeah. the murders. So what, what, what did you discover about that? Sure. Well, my favorite thing that I learned, I had no idea is that Agatha, um, was a pharmacy assistant in, um, World War One. And that is where she learned a lot of her uh, poisons and her medications and all that. And we provide a, a funny story in which uh, a pharmacist she was working for almost killed some people by accident. And she actually sort of got she she figured out that what he was doing, that he had made a huge mistake. And she ended up purposely um, dropping everything on the ground uh, because she didn't want to hurt his ego that he was going to kill people with this thing he had mixed up because she had she knew all of this so well and so I think it just sort of proves that um, she she learned it and she you know again she was a woman who could have you know sat around during the war and did, did nothing but she actually decided to pitch in so much that she taught herself. Um, and this was before she she was really a, a writer or or at least a published author. And so she started jotting things down because she knew that she wanted to, to write at that time. And so she would do all the reading. And I mean, imagine I, I would feel like maybe that would be a little boring. My husband's a doctor and he knows what all these drugs do. But like for me, like reading all of that would be in, in a, in a dusty book might be a little boring, but she did it. And, um, and it helped obviously her career for many, many decades to come doing that research. And, uh, so I think that was kind of my favorite thing I learned and, and she is accurate. Um, that is something that we came to understand through research and, and talking to, um, we, we talked to an author who also had explored a similar thing and, and, Agatha knew what she was talking about, um, about how much needed to be taken and what it tasted like and all those different things. So she was not a woman you'd want to mess with, that's for sure. Well, I, I wonder why she didn't do her first husband <laughs> then, you know, because I know, he, right? <laughs> when he yeah. fooled around, did all that, you think she would have used some of that yeah. <laughs> and knowledge to get in oh, there, you well, know? Right? <laughs> Well, did she have some sort of investigation, you know, like worked for a police agency or was she, where did she get her investigative skills, do you think? No, no, she didn't. Um, and I think that's another impressive thing about her because really the, there's the investigative, like, um, sort of cop angle, obviously, in, in most of her books. Miss Marple is not a cop, so she sort of looks at things a little differently, but Poirot certainly um, looks at things from that cop angle, but 
you know, I think it just came from everything's very logical and very puzzle like. And, um, you know, evidence obviously was very different then. Um, there was no DNA to have to mess around with. So it was more like footprints and um, if the window was open and those kinds of things, which I think I think there's something sort of I'm so glad DNA exists, obviously, um, as a human citizen. But but as a writer, there's something sort of lovely and nostalgic about, you know, it comes down to the footprint or the, the handkerchief or whatever. <laughs> her characters, where do you think she got her characters from? Yeah, well, it's funny. She, you know, I, I read her autobiography um, to sort of, you know, um, obviously familiarize myself with, with her. And it's, I really highly recommend it. It's a, it's a really obviously well-written book, but she's very, you know, self-effacing. But she had a very love-hate relationship with Poirot. And she doesn't necessarily say where she came up with him but i i think that she she became the most successful when she wrote with him in in her books but then i think you know many authors or or even people in um other you know mediums like film you know once you sort of have your famous character nobody wants anything else and um i think that she uh she definitely had some resentment um that poirot was taking over everything and and one of the one of those reasons is because he was kind of a snob and he was kind of a jerk. And um, if you've seen, you know, the, the BBC show or you've read the books, you know, he's, he's a little egocentric. And um, so I, I sort of love this charming idea that he kind of got away from her a little bit and uh, she had to write him and sometimes she was really annoyed with him. And I think Miss Marple, um, you know, it was sort of like this, it was a reflection of Poirot in that she's also sort of coming from this very wise, um, you know, lived experience place, but she's so sweet and tender and grandma like, which is like the opposite of him. And so I think that was a way for her to sort of like, you know, have, have a character who um, she, and she said Miss Marple was based on, on her grandmother. So I think that, you know, that was her way of sort of <laughs> getting away from Poirot sometimes. Was she influenced by uh, Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh, yes. Yep. Yep, she was. And um, I think she really liked, again, that sort of puzzle nature of his writing. Um, and, you know, um, Poirot has a counterpart just like Sherlock does um, named Hastings. And um, we often, Hastings will be sort of the, the point of view of the book and we kind of see um, Poirot through his eyes. So you know, she definitely um, sort of took their, the partnership of uh, Sherlock and Watson and, and made her own little um, professional couple. So this is it's pretty interesting. Um, so what do you got coming next then? What are you going to do after, after Agatha? Are you saying? Um, yeah. We're uh, saying Hitch we Hitchcock. Yes, we're we're working on Hitchcock. Um, we have covered some of his films before and other books, um, but this is going to be a much more comprehensive look. Um, again, we're going into biography. I just recently, we're just kind of at the the beginning end of uh, beginning part of it, and um, I just recently watched his very first film, a silent film um, that's up on YouTube called The Lodger, which I recommend. Um, it was, I mean, I, I knew that he had, you know, older films that weren't necessarily as revered and, and watched as often, but I didn't know he had a silent film. So that was very cool to watch. That's down my alley. Oh, awesome. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The Lodger. I, I just watched it on YouTube, like I said, and um, it was, uh, it was delightful. And you can definitely see the master 
uh, starting to sort of figure out suspense and, and, uh, yeah, that's, so that's very cool. And then, um, Kelly and I have a travel book coming out next year, which we're really excited about called travels of terror. And, um, we went all over this, uh, country of ours and we, um, went to abandoned asylums. We went to museums. We went to cemeteries. We went all over. And so we have compiled a whole book about um, where to go if you're like us and you like creepy stuff. <laughs> now, do you do social media? Do you have a website? Yeah. Where, where do people find you and, and how do you interact with, with readers? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I have a website. It's my name, MegHoffdahl.com. And I'm also Meg Hofdahl pretty much everywhere, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm Meg Loves Horror on TikTok. Um, I, there's like all this new social media I'm trying to figure out too. Um, so um, yeah, I guess I can't even call it Twitter anymore. So <laughs> I'm, I'm figuring it all out. <laughs> X. X, yeah. <laughs> X marks the spot, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's crazy. Um, okay. And so the book it will be out on September 5th, you said? Yes. Yep. September 5th. Fantastic. We all look forward to it. We'll have your, uh, website and uh we'll have uh everything up the book so people can find you real easily thank you so much yeah it's a real pleasure having you on and talking about aunt agatha and (laughs) the science of agatha christie it's the new book again meg haftel thank you for being here thank you it was a pleasure you've been listening to the house of mystery radio show to find out more about our guests hosts or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is here production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.